Welcome back to the Scores Sports Podcast. On those, this is Podcast Lane Frank. Now it's for 81. It's for 81 episodes through, and I got action packed episode playing for you. NBA Finals are set. Golden State Warriors versus the Boston Celtics. Golden State Warriors defeating Dallas Mavericks. Boston Celtics defeating the Miami Heat. MLB's rolling right now. Teams are leading, entering the All Star break. So much going on right now in the NBA. So much more. Stay tuned for this action packed episode 81. Let's hop into it. Start reps number 81, how we always do with the headlines in the NBA. Darvin Ham has been hired, but Los Angeles Lakers are by. This is an interesting decision right here. It's a four-year deal, which I think they probably should game in two or three years, but it's the first time head coach Darvin Ham. A little bit of an interesting thing right here. A couple of pictures going viral right now of Darvin Ham guarding LeBron as a rookie. Just shows LeBron James' longevity, but just a lot of stuff right here. Darvin Ham getting hired by Los Angeles Lakers, but... We know who the real head coach of that team is. We know who the real leader of that team is, LeBron James. Everybody. So just a lot of stuff going on right now with the Los Angeles Lakers. But let's talk about a team who's still in the NBA playoffs, still has a chance to win NBA championship, unlike the Los Angeles Lakers. The Golden State Warriors defeated the Dallas Mavericks pretty easily, four five games. Just a really easy series for them. For the Boston Celtics, ooh, that was one entertaining series, everybody. We finally got an entertained Game 7 series, everybody. Game 7. Mavericks did not entertain at all. Game 7, Boston Celtics versus Milwaukee Bucks is not entertaining y'all. But this Game 7, Boston Celtics, Miami, Jimmy Butler takes a legacy shot, and he misses. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think Jimmy Butler should have just pulled for a mid-range, gone for a layup, gone and won? You never know. What do you think about that? Do you think Jimmy Butler took the right shot? He's the best player on that team. He's a top five player in the NBA, you could argue. If he makes that shot, yeah, he's probably considered a top three player in the NBA. If not the best player in the NBA over Giannis Antetokounmpo, we'll be a lot of statement right there, but... If he makes the NBA Finals, he makes that shot. He's a legend. Legend. Miami Heat history, for sure. Jimmy Butler's still a great player. Made the NBA Finals for them in 2020. Had a great season. But Kyle Lowry's upset. He says, no. It's a waste of the season. Waste of the season. But let's talk about Golden State Warriors, Boston Celtics here for a second. It's going to be an amazing series. I'm going to preview it in top five. I'm going to preview it. I'm going to give my NBA Finals pick and not the buzzer. So much more. Stay tuned. But what a series that was. Let's move to the MLB where we have a bunch of news. Mets are rolling everybody. I went to the New York Mets game against the Philadelphia Phillies Sunday Night Baseball. Nick Plummer. Gets a huge home run on the ninth inning. First career hit in the ninth inning to tie the game. I mean, what a sequence that was. Then Eduardo Escobar in the tenth inning gets an RBI double to win the game. Walking off, sending Starling Marte home. Sending all the Mets fans home, everybody. What an amazing thing that was right there for New York Mets. New York Mets rolling right now after sweep over the Phillies. They dominant win their night over the Washington Nationals. Now, another player who's tearing things up right now is Mookie Betts, everybody. Mookie Betts, the best month of his career, if not the best month in baseball history. Past 20 years, you could say. Most home runs in Mookie Betts' his career for a month. Most RBIs, most hits, second most runs. Just tearing things up right now. Mookie Betts, an amazing player. Could be running with NL MVP. I want it to be Francisco Lindor, and I want it to be P. Alonzo. P. Alonzo, second most RBIs in MLB. And Francisco Lindor, an eight-game RBI streak. One of the most ever by a shortstop. Most ever by a Mets player consecutive RBI streak. Just crazy stuff right there. Mets tearing things up right now. Now, another player who's not tearing things up right now is Juan Soto. Everybody. Juan Soto is struggling right now. The rumors are still circulating. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. I know we talked about last week. Juan Soto rumors are still rolling around. Everybody's wild stuff right here. Leave your thoughts on that. Do you think Juan Soto will get things figured out? Leave your thoughts on that in the comment section. But another player who's also heating up is Julio Rodriguez, everybody. Julio Rodriguez is a rookie. I mean, ever since that Mets series, everybody, he's just been tearing things up. Had his first career home run against the Marlins last month. Now just doing amazing, amazing for Seattle Mariners, everybody. They've done great with their rookies. I know Jerry Kelnick was a bit of a boss, but Julio Rodriguez tearing things up right now. That most stolen bases in MLB could be the second rookie ever to have the most stolen bases behind Mike Trout. Obviously, Mike Trout in his rookie season had the most stolen bases in MLB as an outfield. Just a lot of stuff right there. That's about for the headlines this week. Leave your thoughts in the comment section.
So, my favorite of the week this week is the New York Mets game of winter, but against the Philadelphia Phillies, trying to close that sweep. Mets had not sweep all the season long. They had a great season, but they had not sweep yet. They got the sweep on Sunday Night Baseball against Philadelphia Phillies. What a whirlwind of game that was. Okay, let's start out from the way top. You got Chris Bassett versus Zach Wheeler. Yes, Zach Wheeler, who I do not like. Left the New York Mets in 2019. Not a fan favorite at all amongst Mets fans. He's not tear things up ever since he left the Mets. But the Mets did pretty much bring him up through the Myers and everything like that. I'm going to credit the Mets for his success so far. Not the Phillies, not Joe Girardi. But he did. He struggled a little bit to start out the game. Chris Bassett got through easy in the first inning. But Zach Wheeler, not so much. Right? By a couple of errors in the infield, outfield, just not a great outfield at all for the Philadelphia Phillies. Not showing the first pitch of the game. Luis Guillorme drives a double off. Zach Wheeler could have got Kyle Schwarber, maybe could have got to if it was a better fielder out there. But no, there wasn't. It was Kyle Schwarber, everybody. So Luis Guillorme gets a stand-up double right there. Then New York Mets driving three more runs that inning. Zach Wheeler only responsible for one of them. A couple errors. Johan Camargo got a bad the play opportunity right there. Just got his foot off the base. A couple bad opportunities there for the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Wheeler had a lot of pitches, even though only one run was earned. He wasn't pitching that great in the first inning. Then he settled down a little bit, settled into the game. Did not give up a run for the rest of the game. Only one run. Zach Wheeler getting his ERA down. He had a terrible start to the season. Now he's doing well with his ERA. So Zach Wheeler tearing things up right now for the Philadelphia Phillies, but not exactly producing. Sterling Marte got a quick triple there later in the game. Really up until the seventh inning. Really no offense between either team. But things really did settle down there until seventh inning. Chris Bassett gave up a quick run there with the bases loaded, but then got a double play. So we're all good there. But scores three to one. Two runners on base. Nick Castellanos is up after Drew Smith got hurt. Joey Rodriguez comes in. Joey Rodriguez pitched pretty good game. But they said, no, let's take Joey Rodriguez out. Let's put in Adam Ottavino. Adam Ottavino throws him a fastball down the middle. And Nick Castellanos just crushes it for a home run. Straight to left field. I mean, that was just bad stuff right there. Overlooking all our outfielders' heads. Overlooking Nick Plummer's head. Just bad thing right there. But Nick Castellanos does get through on home run. It seemed like they had no offense at all. No life at all in Phillies in that game. Now they have a one-run lead. Four to three. Phillies right now. That's had a terrible bomb of the eighth inning. Now, top of the ninth inning. Just Steve Nagosik comes in right there. Second appearance with the New York Mets. Shuts things down there in the top of the ninth inning. Bomb of the ninth inning. Nick Plummer's up at bat right now. By Nick Plummer. First career start in MLB. 2015. First round pick. Really wasn't great in the Myers. Cardinals released him. Mets said, hey, let's pick him up. He had a good season in the Myers last year. So they picked him up. Had a good season so far this season in the Myers. So the Mets called him up. First career start for Nick Plummer. He's 0 for 3 so far up into the game. What does he do? Drives one. First pitch off Corey Kniebel. Corey Kniebel has struggled so much in the New York Mets this season. Gave up that seven-run comeback. Couldn't close things out. Couldn't get the save. I think he came in when it was 8-5 to five and just couldn't load things down right there. But now, comes in for this situation again. Another save. First pitch. Boom. Home run, Nick Plummer. First career hit, first career home run into the cold succession. I mean, Corey Kluke-Nable is not a good player, but gave up a home run the other day in the ninth inning against the San Francisco Giants. So just not a great player at all, Corey Knable. But Nick Plummer crushes one off of them to tie the game. Not really much happened after that. A lot of Mets fans were saying, hey, why are we keeping Nick Plummer into this game? Why are we pitching Jeff McNeil from Patrick Mazika instead of Jeff McNeil for Nick Plummer? Well, I was thinking that too, but then I see Nick Plummer just drive one. I'm so happy, everybody. Nick Plummer, congratulations. Hits home run. The next thing, it's Washington Nationals. But things just go crazy there. Edwin Diaz gets the crowd hyped up right there, coming into the top of the 10th inning. Just gets things down. Loads him up. I mean, every pitch strikeout. So just Edwin Diaz did great right there. I mean, has done so great against the Phillies this season. Had the no-hitter against them. Closed out no-hitter right there against them. On all strikeouts, struck on the side right there. And just shuts them down right here. Now, bomb the ninth inning. Starling Marte on second base since Cisco indoor strikes out. Who comes up? Eduardo Escobar. First pitch he sees, drives one into right field. Roman Quinn can't get to it. Boom. Mets win. What a Mets game that was. That's my favorite of the week. Leave your thoughts in the comment section.
Yeah, top five, everybody. This week's top five is the top five things that led the Boston Celtics and Golden State Warriors here to the NBA Finals. Let's hop into it. Number five, the resurgence of Draymond Green, everybody. Draymond Green is a terrible player. I gave Draymond Green the award. Welcome back to basketball, Draymond Green. Finally doing well. But Draymond Green has played so great this season. He's been X-Factor, this Golden State Warriors team. And I mean, Draymond Green's a Michigan State guy. I don't always love him. But Draymond Green is a great player. He's great in the media. He's great off the court. And he's great on the court right now. Draymond Green, one of the biggest reasons why the Golden State Warriors are in the NBA Finals right now. Number four, Mark Smart's defense, everybody. Mark Smart won Defensive Player of the Year. If I told you before the season, Mark Smart's going to win Defensive Player of the Year, it said, get out of here. Guard can't win Defensive Player of the Year, especially not Mark Smart. But he did. Mark Smart wins Defensive Player of the Year. Fourth best reason. Mark Smart, win Defense Player of the Year. Number three, the youth of the Golden State Warriors era by, you got Jordan Poole, you got John Kuminga, you got Clavon Looney, you got Moses Moody. This is a good team, everybody. Andrew Wiggins makes stand there. So you could say they're an old team because they have Steph, they have Clay, and they have Draymond Green. But all those guys, this is a pretty young team when you look at it. So the youth of this team has led them here. The speed of those guys, Jordan Poole being that X Factor, my Michigan guy, Moses Moody, a steal for them. John Kuminga, a steal and good trade bait for them if they want to go after a superstar. Could be the best piece of trade bait this offseason, which I'm going to talk about later in the episode. But youth the Warriors, number three. Number two, Klay Thompson's comeback here. But Klay Thompson, wow. I mean, his first game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, just dominating in that game. And then game six, Klay against Memphis Grizzlies. That was his signature moment right there, in my opinion. But Klay Thompson's comeback, the second biggest reason why the Golden State Warriors are in the NBA Finals right now. And now number one, the biggest reason why the Boston Celtics are in the NBA Finals right now is Ime Odaka, everybody. Wow. Just wow. Comes in from the Brooklyn Nets. Brings all of his strategy over there. All the strategy learned from Greg Popovich. All the narrative all year was Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can't play together. This is a below 500 average team entering January. And then they go into end of the season. One game out of the first place in the Eastern Conference. Making them be a Just wild stuff right there. Imodaka. Hate to say, but he's better coach than Brad Stevens, everybody. This is wild stuff right here. Imodaka is a mastermind. Should have won coach of the year, in my opinion. Just amazing stuff right here. Best reason why Boston Celtics are in the NBA Finals. Those are the top five reasons why these two teams are in the NBA Finals. Leave your thoughts in the comment section. We're back scoring sports fans and they're a great interview. I got standout Phillies catcher Garrett Stubbs right here. All right, Garrett, thanks for joining us. Great seeing you the other night at the Phillies game. Thank you for taking time out of your off day to join us. Yeah, thanks, Lane. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So first question I got for you right here. So you obviously got traded this offseason, Astros to Phillies. What's been the biggest difference between Houston, Philadelphia, and then just Astros, Phillies, organization, anything like that? Well, uh, for one, just being on the East Coast, um, being from San Diego, personally being over on the East Coast has been a little bit different. Playing a lot of new teams coming from the American League over to the National League. So there's a lot of players that I haven't necessarily faced as far as pitching goes. And then as far as hitting goes uh, or facing opposing uh, hitters, it's been a, a little bit different going over reports. Uh, but the team and organization as a whole, uh, the Houston organization was awesome. You know, whether it was treating my family well or us players, um, same goes for the Phillies, you know, coming over here and uh, being under the umbrella of Dave Dombrowski and Sam Fold. Uh, they've done a tremendous job uh, signing players. Of course, you know, we see some big names in our lineup every single day um, staff as well. So uh, both teams uh, with a huge desire to win, which, you know, can't be said for across the entire league at times. So to be able to come into an organization that wants to win 
you know, it was a seamless transition for me. So it's been fun. Yeah, obviously a lot of different pitching. And then at least you got the Marlins, that stacked rotation. That's great rotation. Nashville's got some pitching. What's been the adjustment to that? Just facing um, great pitchers and then at least. Um, yeah, you know, coming from the AL West, uh, we were facing guys, uh, you know, on a daily basis, basically with great pitching anywhere from Oakland with Bassett, who's now, uh, with the station, uh, Montas on the, on the A's, uh, Naya on the A's facing him, who's now on the Padres. Uh, but now coming to the NL East, you know, similar vibes as far as really great pitching, you know, going over to the Mets and facing Bassett, Carrasco and all those guys, uh, it's a, it's a huge preparation before every game to get ready for guys like that. So uh, being coming from the AL West where we were facing really good pitching and now the NL East, uh, it's been a transition as far as new guys besides the Bassett that I just mentioned with the Mets. Uh, but the preparation stays the same and it's been a lot of fun, you know, facing that kind of high-level performing players – is a challenge and it makes it fun. Yeah, for me as a Mets fan, I'm happy to have all those guys, DeGraw and Bassett, Scherzer. Let's switch over to something right here. I know you won the Johnny Bench Award in college for best catcher. What was that like, just winning it your last year, just getting the best catcher in the nation award? Yeah, so uh, defense has definitely been the priority for me most of my career. So my senior year, came back to school uh, to graduate, get my degree at USC, uh, obviously while playing baseball and hoping to get an opportunity to play professionally. So our goal at USC was always to make a regional. We hadn't done it in a decade. Uh, we had a really good team. And so that year uh, went out and just tried to win every single baseball game and ended up winning. I can't remember our record, but we won more than 30 games that year, which was the best we had done in quite some time. I think a little bit over a decade. So on top of that, to be able to win an individual accolade like the Johnny Bench Award, uh, you know, something really special for me. Uh, my family was more than ecstatic to be able to go to that award ceremony and got to meet Johnny Bench, who I still stay connected with to this day. In fact, thinking about that reminds me, I'm going to give him a phone call right after this and uh, see what he's been, been up to and catch up with him. But uh, be able to have a mentor like that and win his award. It's been uh, really, really fun. Uh, that year was special for so many reasons. So uh, to top it off with an award like that was was special. Yeah, for the viewers at home, Johnny Bench, obviously one of the greatest catchers, MLB history, baseball history, whatever it might be. Yeah, no doubt. Let's take a college here for a second. I remember you telling me one time that when you guys played Fresno State, Aaron Judge, one of the best hitters in baseball, gave you concussion sliding into home plate. Can you talk about that for a second? Yeah, uh, playing Fresno State, uh, I can't remember or what the score was or anything like that. Maybe because I got concussed. Uh, Probably. Yeah. So we were up at Fresno state and at the time uh, judge was a name, but maybe not one of the biggest names in baseball. Uh, so when we were up there playing, obviously this behemoth of a human avatar, a giant and, six foot eight. Yeah. Up to the plate. Um, I think he had hit a double and the guy after him hits a single to right field. Uh, judge comes around third throw comes up the line a little bit. I go for the ball uh, and Aaron judge knee straight to the head. 
uh, didn't get knocked out, but um, obviously uh, the size of a human like that coming into smaller stature of myself, uh, I'd lost that battle and uh, ended up getting out with a concussion. Yeah, that's a normal play. You're probably not getting a concussion, but Aaron Judge is like 6'8", 250. He's like, I mean, when he robbed Otani's home run there, he didn't have to jump. It's just like yeah. Aaron Judge, tearing, yeah, he's tearing things up right now. Yeah, let's go back to MLB here for a second. So, obviously, you're on the Phillies now. Joe Girardi's your manager, former catcher. What's his influence been on you as being a catcher? Uh, well, being able to come from a manager, A.J. Hinch, who was a former catcher, um, obviously just transitioned over to Dusty Baker. Uh, and now going back to having a catcher as a manager, you know, having a catcher who's your manager, they demand a lot of you, having been at that position. Uh, and luckily, you know, someone like myself and someone like JT, we, we demand a lot of our, of ourselves, whether it be for the pitching staff or, uh, other things that go on throughout the game and making sure that we know what's going on at every moment. Uh, we're the captain of the team when we're out there on that field. So, uh, being, having Joe Girardi, uh, World Series champion, I believe, both as a player and a manager with the Yankees. Yep. Uh, yep. He knows what it's like to win. He knows how to win. And, you know, even though our team has had a little bit of a skid here in the first couple months, uh, he knows exactly the way to get us back on that winning track, and we plan on doing that here real soon. Yeah, you guys figure it. You guys will figure it out for sure. Uh, yeah, Girardi just – had success with the Yankees, now having success now. You guys got too many good bats. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I look forward to winning a few ball games here soon for them. Yeah, as a Mets fan, that'll be tough when you guys start winning ball games. But, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, people don't talk about the catch position as much. You guys control the field, you control the pitches. Probably one of the most underrated positions in sports, I'd say. Yeah, defensively, definitely the most important position on the field. Uh, you know, besides definitely a different dynamic of the name game out on the mound. So, uh, as far as defense goes, I would say the most premier defensive position on the field at all times. Yeah. I know you've had to face a lot of tough pitchers, but who's the best pitcher you've ever had to catch for? I know you've caught for Verlander, Garrett Cole, somebody in college. Yeah. Yeah. I never got to catch Justin Verlander in a game. So I'm not going to say JV. Um, and even so, uh, Garrett Cole getting to catch him. Uh, the preparation that he does before the game, knowing the opposing team and demanding one, a lot out of himself, but also out of his catcher, as far as scouting reports go, uh, being able to present pitch as well. Uh, he's one that is a person who pays attention to detail to the utmost fact. So, Getting to catch him, watching his stuff, uh, attacking hitters, I don't think he gets much better than Garrett Cole. Uh, very fortunate to be able to have had uh, him as a battery mate multiple times in my career. So I watch him from afar now. He is, he's, uh, he's a disgusting pitcher, and he knows exactly what he wants to do to hitters, and his level of execution is elite. So... Uh, I got to say Garrett Cole is probably one of the best pitchers I've caught. Yeah, Garrett Cole, I mean, this generation you could say he was a first-round pick twice, then pretty much got to the MLB in like two years. Garrett Cole has just been amazing for the past 10 years. Be able to go from a staff like that into a staff like I have now uh, with our starting rotation here in Philly, 
uh, you know, guys like Zach Wheeler, Zach Eflin, Kyle Gibson, Aaron Nola, Ranger Suarez. I mean, those five names right there are elite pitchers in the league. So our starting rotation is nothing short of elite. And it's been fun to be a part of. And at least Aqua Pitchers, Marlins, you guys, Mets, everything. Yeah, yeah not about it. Yeah, let's switch over to uh, Myers here for a second. What's it like, that grind in the minor leagues? I know you went through a bunch of minor league teams. You had three different AAA teams, Sugarland, Fresno, and then Round Rock. So what's that grind like in the minors? Um, the grind of the minor leagues, one of the biggest parts is the fact that you don't get paid very much money. Um, you know, you're living below um, for those years. And if you didn't sign for a lot of money, uh, it's really hard to stick with it. You know, I saw a lot of really, really good players uh, bow out early just because they weren't able to keep up a normal life getting paid that amount of money. Uh, and it's unfortunate, you know, I think we'd see other players in the league uh, more often if they were paid a livable wage, you know, those 20th round guys, there's still a talent, whether they were first round or 20th round, those are talented baseball players. And some of them just take a little bit longer to develop. So um, the minor leagues is definitely a grind uh, played on three different teams, from uh, Fresno to Round Rock to Sugarland and AAA, all with the Houston Astros, uh, but just switching affiliates. Uh, but I started all the way down in short season, A ball, uh, played there for three weeks, got moved up to low A, started the following year in high A, finished in double A, following year started in double A, finished in triple A, played my entire 2018 season in triple A. And then 2019 was up and down in the big leagues and have been so since uh, until this year, getting to uh, start with the team and, uh, you know, plan on making it to that game 162 at the end. Yeah, I mean, you've had such a great season so far. Finally get a chance to really get some decent starting time. Just done great so far. What was it like in your first career home run? Then going out the next week against my Mets and that three-run bomb. Yeah, uh, pretty big moment uh, in a game against the presume or a lot of people's picks to be in or win the world series this year. So definitely a huge series. We were down to nothing. And so to be able to put that game within one run uh, and it be my first home run on top of that, uh, didn't really think about the first home run part. I think until I hit home plate and uh, started to breathe a little bit again, uh, but it was a, a really special moment. And then to be able to, um, within that week, go into New York and hit a three-run homer to put us within one run again uh, in a big game against, I believe, the best record in baseball or the second best record in baseball. I think Yankees have highest winning percentage and then Mets are number two. Yeah, so um, to be able to uh, hit a homer like that in a big game, uh, a division rival, uh, pretty awesome moment. Uh, unfortunately ended up losing that game. We did win the game, the game against the Dodgers, which was awesome. Uh, but yeah, just to contribute and impact a game in any way possible, whether it be offensively or uh, defensively, you know, that's the goal every single time I'm out there. And the homer against the Mets, lefty on lefty against Jason Street, even though it's not really good for a hitter, lefty on lefty. I mean, that was just, that was awesome right there to see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, left the pitch up in the zone. Uh, certainly hit a homer, but, uh, you know, ended up getting the good part of the bat on the good part of the ball. And uh, 
Yeah, for sure. I'll leave you with this right here. Last question. What's your favorite ballpark to play in? Or what do you think is the best ballpark to play in? And you can't say Citizens Bank and you can't say Minute Maid. Yeah. Um, well, I'm very biased towards this ballpark, but I've also asked around to other guys. Uh, I actually have two and for different reasons. My biased opinion is Petco Park in San Diego. Petco's awesome. Um, I grew up in San Diego. Uh, so to me, for me to be able to go back to Petco, it's awesome. Um, the playing surface there is one of the best in the entire league. Um, and then on top of that, you know, in the last five years, they've been having, they've been putting together a great team over there, yeah. uh, charger San Diego. And so people are looking for something to root for and sports to go to every time I've gone there and played a game, it's been borderline sold out with a packed crowd, uh, an absolutely electric atmosphere are into the Padres and they love going to the game. So going to that ballpark is, is really fun. It's right down there in downtown. It's a beautiful stadium. Uh, so that's, that's my biased opinion, my unbiased opinion. And I have not been to Wrigley yet, but Fenway park is one of the f- most incredible places to play. Um, strangest, one of the strangest, one of the best. The dimensions of the stadium are unlike any other, the history played there, the history of just the structure of the ballpark. Uh, and on top of that, the fans in Boston are absolutely electric. They're into every pitch. Uh, doesn't matter. I've played there in regular season games. I've played there in playoff games. Yes, the playoff atmosphere has a little bit more edge to it, of course. Um, but even in a regular season game, uh, it's a packed house. The fans are in every pitch. Uh, it's just a fun place to play. And when you step out onto the field, you know, you kind of have that nostalgic feeling of, of remembering all those old-time players and huge baseball games, World Series games, David Ortiz home run into the bullpen. Uh, start to remember those kinds of things when you're out there on the baseball field. So um, got to sign the back of uh, the Green Monster out there, uh, which is a cool moment. So. Uh, Fenway Park's definitely uh, up there tied for number one or maybe number one for me as ballparks I've played in. That's probably the most storage stadium in all of sports. All of, I mean, the whole world, most storage stadium by far. And I'm with you on Petco. I mean, I've been to Petco more than I've been to City Field. I love Petco. Yeah, Petco is a fun park. And I haven't been there as a fan in a while, um, but the session stands, I've heard the food that they have there at Petco Park is bar none. So was there was there in March for the Braves game? They have upgraded the concessions for sure. Yeah, yeah. do a good job over there. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Garrett. That was great. Uh, thanks for spending time with us on the off day. Have a great season. Schoolyard sports, man. I appreciate you having me online. For sure, tearing things up. Yeah. All right, brother. That was my interview with Garrett Stubbs, Phillies catcher. Everybody tearing things up right now. Thank you for watching. That's my interview. Now, I didn't know about this week's day knows. Did you know a former New York Knicks has been the last 70-plus? I'm getting fond but that's a wild star right there. This year, it's Luke Cornett. Didn't know that. Leave down in the comment section. That's about for didn't know this week. So, let's talk about the biggest beef in all of sports this week. 
this month, this year, all of time, you could say. This is a wild beef going on right now. Jock Pearson, Tommy Fam. Now, for those of you who don't know the situation, Jock Pearson, Tommy Fam, gone a huge. I mean, there was a benches clearing brawl before the game the other night. Giants versus Reds against Tommy Pham. Slap Jock Pearson. Video showing going around everywhere. Just wild stuff right there. Tommy Pham slapping Jock Pearson. Everybody's confused. Hey, why are these guys slapping each other? They've never played on the team before. They've never had a bigger allocation before. What's going on? Jock Pearson said after the game, oh, we had a fancy football fight. A fancy football fight over Jeff Wilson Jr.? Yeah, because apparently Jock Pearson added Jeff Wilson Jr. to his roster after putting somebody on the IR. And Tommy Pham did not like that. He said, hey, that's not fair, even though Tommy Pham's doing the same thing at the time. And then Tommy Pham got interviewed and said, hey, this is my money. I'm very passionate about fantasy football. He's messing with my money right now, and I don't like it. And Jock Pearson shared a video to our group chat of a Padre falling down, a gif of Padres, pretty much a meme of the Padres right now, which he was on at the time. San Diego Padres, but there's a meme. Jock Pearson sent around other San Diego Padres. Jock Pearson was a Los Angeles Dodger, nice San Francisco Giant. So pretty much all Padres fans hate him, you could say. But just, really? You're going to get mad over that? You're not even on the Padres anymore right now, Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham used to be on the St. Louis Cardinals, then he went to the Tampa Bay Rays, then he got traded over to San Diego Padres. Now he's on the worst team that'll be the Cincinnati Reds. This is the weird guy you're dealing with right here, Tommy Pham. Fancy football, you're getting mad over a rule? It's not even breaking a rule right here, adding some guy that's legal and I mean, you can change the rules and you're a league commissioner. I don't know the league commissioner might be. Play another MLB player, but th- that's weird stuff right there by Tommy Pham. Maybe the full context wasn't a given. Leave your thoughts on Tommy Pham to drop Pearson's situation. But I think Tommy Pham's in the wrong right here. Leave your thoughts in the comment section. So we're entering the month of June. We already did our hot takes for the month of May. Now let's do our hot takes for the month of June. And then we'll be around the base right now. Let's hop into our play. The first hot take I got for you right here, I got five firing hot takes for you right here, is Javier Baez is not an all-star caliber player. He's not top 15 shortstop in MLB defensive-wise or hitting-wise, and he'll never be an all-star again. Now, this is not my inner Mets fan talking right here. I do not like Javier Baez. He booed the Mets fans last year. I'm a Mets fan. He did not resound with the Mets. I take that to heart. But we got Eduardo Escobar. We got to get Sterling Marte. We got Marcana. We even got Max Scherzer with that type of money. We saved from not signing the terrible Javier Baez. Now he got double. He went two for four the other night. Who cares? He's batting two or three right now. He's having a worse start than Francisco Lindor did last year. Javier Baez, no. Not a good player. Not a good player defensively. Not a good player offensively. A terrible investment right there for AJ Hitch and the Detroit Tigers. They thought, hey, we can get the rebuild over with right here. But you still have prospects coming up. You still have Casey Mize. It's a weird situation with the Tigers right there. I'm going on right, right here about Javier Baez. No, not an Oscar caliber player. Not a top 15 shortstop. And then we'll beat Javier Baez. No. Now, this is my next hot take right here. Jordan Alvarez, DH of the Houston Astros, is the best hitter in the American League right now. This season. You can debate me on it. He hit two home runs yesterday for a combined 950 plus feet. That's a wild star right there. He had a 470-foot home run. He had a 455-foot home run. He's a wild player right there, Jordan Alvarez. One rookie year in the 2019 season. Just an amazing player, Jordan Alvarez, in my opinion. Jordan Alvarez is the best pound-for-pound hitter in the AL. It's Mike Trout. It's Mike Trout. It's Mike Trout. Not this season, everybody. Mike Trout's scary. You could say, it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I don't think so. Jordan Alvarez is a better hitter than Shohei Otani. Better DH than Shohei Otani. Now, Shohei Otani's a better overall player. Vladimir Guerrero is a junior. He's over a better overall player. Mike Trout's a better overall player. But Jordan Alvarez is the best DH in baseball. And he's the best hitter in the AL this season, in my opinion. Now, another hot take I got coming up right here about the team they beat in the AL Championship Series last year, the Boston Red Sox, everybody. The Boston Red Sox are in need of another rebuild, sadly. Now, they have a great champ behind Bloom, but he's done a weird job with this team. First thing he did as GM was trade Mookie Betts. 
Then he gets thrown into a terrible situation with Alex Cora. So fire Alex Cora has a terrible 2020 season, but picks Marcella Meyer at shortstop with the number four overall pick. Last year's MLB draft. It's just a weird situation right here. You're probably going to have to lose Rafael Devers in free agency. Rafael Devers is doing great right now. The Red Sox really aren't. The biggest piece of that Mookie Betts trade right there was Alex Verdugo. Alex Verdugo really isn't doing great right now. Second biggest piece was Jeter Downs. Jeter Downs hasn't made them MLB yet. That's a little bit concerning right there if I'm a Red Sox fan. So things not going right in the Red Sox direction right now. I know they have Trevor Story, but they're probably going to lose Andrew Bogarts. I know he's tearing things up right now, Trevor Story, but... This is an older roster. You look at their lineup, it's a little bit interesting. You look at their pitching rotation, Garrett Hoa and Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Hoek are a bit young. Chris Sale's pretty old. Nick Pavetta's pretty old. Nathan Yavaldi's pretty old. So just interesting stuff right there with the Boston Red Sox. I think the Boston Red Sox are in need of another rebuild everybody. And this one might take longer thing. Blaze Jordan, who's a top prospect, who's a third-round pick in the 2020 MLB draft. If he came by a year later, he would have been a first-round pick, if not the number one overall pick. So that's a steal for them right there. So I got two more hot takes for coming for you right here. The Mets, the most clutch team. In baseball now, everybody, it's official. You can't debate it. So many cutbacks have happened. Seven run cutback. Nick Plummer hits a whole run tie the game. The Cardinals cutback. Back five runs in the ninth inning against St. Louis Cardinals. Just wild stuff right here. Mets the most clutch team in baseball, and I credit that all to manager of the year, Buck Showalter. Now, last thing. Juan Soto is the best talent in baseball if he's on a better team. You put him on the Brewers, he's the best talent in baseball. You put him on the Blue Jays, he's the best town in baseball. You put him on the Yankees, he's the best town in baseball. You put him on the Padres, he's the best town in baseball. You put him on my New York Mets, he's the best town in baseball. Juan Soto, amazing player, but such a great hitter. I mean, he just has a great eye for the strike zone. And he's not doing great right now because he can't really draw walks. He knows that he can't draw walks, so he has to go for the fences every time, even though he's Nelson Cruz line. This is a bad line. And Juan Soto feels the need to hit a home run, get on base. Get a hit anytime. Even if he gets on base, it doesn't do that much because they can't have somebody hit right behind him. So he can't draw the walks. He can't get his singles. He has to go for the home runs, gets the flyouts. And he's striking out more now. Juan Soto having a really bad season. This happened last year. Then the Nationals did better. Juan Soto started winning MVP votes and everything like that. Juan Soto finished second MVP last year. One point shot, 1,000 OPS. Probably not going to happen this year for Juan Soto. Just sad stuff right there for Juan Soto. Those are my five MLB hot takes. Leave your thoughts in the comment section. Now, the NBA draft is right around the corner, but we're only a month away from the NBA draft there, but I'm going to do my first five picks of my NBA mock draft. Let's hop into it. Number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft is the Orlando Magic, but the Orlando Magic have a very tall lineup, so they don't need Chet Holmgren, but they still take another big man. They take Jabari Smith Jr., the safest prospect in this NBA draft. Shaden Sharp is not a safe prospect. Chet Holmgren is not a safe prospect, even though Paolo Bocchero is a pretty safe prospect, not fully there. Jabari Smith is the most safe prospect in this NBA draft class, in my opinion. I think he's the number one pick. They don't need a guard. They already have Clifney. They have RJ Hampton. They have their guards down. They have Markel Fultz. They don't need another small four. They already have Franz Wagner. And they keep Mo Bamba. If they keep Wendell Carter Jr., so be it. So I think they take Jabari Smith Jr. right here. Jabari Smith Jr. can stretch the floor. He can shoot the three. He can get a rebound. He can pass the ball for you. Jabari Smith Jr. can do everything for you. Number one pick is going to be Jabari Smith Jr. out of Auburn. Number two, the Oklahoma City Thunder on the clock. And I think Oklahoma City Thunder select Chet Holmgren, everybody. Chet Holmgren, it's just, he's a great prospect. But you know what was also picked? Number two overall was Kevin Durant. So he can be Kevin Durant, who's picked number two overall, or he can be Ashim the Beat, who was also picked number two overall. A little bit interesting thing right there. But Chet Holmgren, I think, does get picked right here. They have Shea Gill, just Alexander. They have Josh Giddy. This will be a good pair with them right there. They keep both of them, keep Josh Giddy and Shea Gill, just Alexander. That's great. But they can mix Chet Holmgren in there. That makes it even better. Chet Holmgren, that could be a big three right there. Chet Holmgren gets taken by Oklahoma City Thunder right here at number two. 
Number three, the Houston Rockets select Paolo Boncaro. But Paolo Boncaro is just an amazing player, in my opinion. He's probably the most talented player in this draft class, but is he fully there? Can he fully lock in for a game for you right there? That's my concern with him right there. I think the Rockets don't play games right here. They take him at number three. Number four, Sacramento Kings are on the clock right But Sacramento Kings can experience with this pick right here. They can experiment right here because they can take Shane Sharp. They can take Jaden Ivey because they didn't really expect to have this pick. Or they can take Keegan Murray because they really just shopped through the lottery. I thought they would get the number eight pick, number seven pick. No, they got number four. So I think they take Keegan Murray right here. Keegan Murray goes to Sacramento Kings at number four. Now, number five, the Detroit Pistons are out of the clock. This is a perfect pick for them right here. There you have Sadiq Bay. There you have Kate Cunningham. Let's pair him up with Jaden Ivey. The next, Damian Lillard, everybody. Damian Lillard is my comp for Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey goes number five to the Detroit Pistons. That's my NBA mock draft. Leave your thoughts in the comment section. Now at the buzzer, but I said to my NBA Finals pick in at the buzzer, so let's do it right here. My NBA Finals pick, Golden State Warriors or Boston Celtics. It's going to take a little bit more of a breakdown, though. I think Boston Celtics win game one in Golden State. But then Golden State strikes back, wins game two behind Steph Curry, dropping a 40-piece. Now we go over to Boston. I think Golden State wins again in game three. Boston has struggled so far in Boston this series. So in this playoffs, they struggled. They lost two games. That Heat series right there in Boston. They did pretty well on the road. So I think they lose game three, but they come back, win game four, tie the series up 2-2, go over to Golden State, win another game in Golden State. Then they go back for game six in Boston and close out the series for 2022 NBA champions, Boston Celtics, everybody. Boston Celtics, too big of a match for them. Uh, Golden State Warriors. You could say, oh, Al Horford's only 6-9. How tall is the Warriors center? 6-1-9, Kevon Looney. Obviously, Al Horford's more experienced than Kevon Looney. I think Al Horford gets it done in the NBA Finals. Jason Tatum proves he's a top three player in the NBA. Jalen Brown proves that he's an all-star. He's a superstar player, which I think he is. He's a superstar. X-Factor, Jalen Brown. Same with Jason Tatum. That's wild stuff right there. I think the Boston Celtics take home the NBA championship. Now, Jalen Brown, he was two years ago, did an interview, and was asked, where do you think he'll be in five years? He's going to have five NBA championships. He's only going to have one NBA championship so far. Not five. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, get an NBA championship. What a duo this is. Younger than LeBron was, and he got his first NBA championship. Then you look out for it right there. That's my thoughts on Boston Celtics versus Golden State Warriors, NBA Foss series. I think the Boston Celtics take it home. Boston Celtics with NBA Foss. Leave thoughts in the comment section. That's about for my Foss pick. I know we don't talk very much about hockey on the show, maybe only once or twice, but I've been watching the New York Rangers playoffs so close. I've been watching every game of the New York Rangers playoffs to run, and they beat the Carolina Hurricanes in Game 7, advancing over to the Conference Finals to play Tampa Bay Lightning. Who wins the Stanley Cup, everybody? That's just the Eastern Conference Finals. Who wins the Stanley Cup? It's going to be the New York Rangers. It's going to be a Tampa Bay Lightning or somebody else. Leave your answer in the comment section. That's how I think it's going to win the Stanley Cup Finals, leave your answer in the comment section. I hope it's my New York Rangers. I think it's going to be my New York Rangers. You leave your pick in the comment section. That's about for Squirt Sports Lady Frank, episode 81. Thank you for tuning in. Follow Squirt Sports on Instagram at Squirt Sports. Follow Squirt Sports on Twitter at Squirt Sport. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and view for the best sports content in the world.